Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Path Podcast. I am Jason. Hey, I'm Derek. And we're really excited today that this week is a special episode. Uh, As a church, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Faith Over Fear and looking at different passages in Scripture that talk about how we have faith in fearful situations. Uh, But this week, we wanted to get some really unique perspectives, and we'll let Derek tell you about that. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we have... In two interviews coming uh, just right after this where we're talking to uh, public safety officers and uh, folks who face fear every day yeah. uh, more than I do. And um, I don't know, Jason's like, yeah. you know, second life or something maybe. But <laughs> I'm, not moon, I'm not moonlighting. <laughs> so we don't, uh, you know, we don't, it's, it's a unique perspective. We don't have that unique perspective. Right. So we thought it'd be cool to interview them and kind of get a fresh uh, look at uh, you know how do you have faith in the midst of a super fearful times you know yeah absolutely and so uh, you're going to enjoy these two uh, interviews yeah we hope you really uh, get something out of these two interviews but stay tuned and uh, listen to what is really is a really neat perspective about having faith over fear. Well, hello and welcome back for episode six of the Path Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. I am Jason. I'm Derek. And we are joined today by a very distinguished and special guest, <laughs> Mr. Michael Fowler. Those are words that aren't normally associated with my name, so I, I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. We, we aim to please, bro. We aim to please. Um, so today we're going to um, ask Michael some questions. Uh, Michael is a law enforcement officer, uh, and we wanted to ask to get his perspective on what it means to have faith over fear. Uh, And so today we're going to talk about that, and hopefully it'll help uh, you to understand a little better about how faith can play a really big part in what you do in a daily basis. Um, So I'm going to turn this over to Derek, and he's going to ask the first question, and we will continue from there. All right, yeah, absolutely. And um, Michael has been our most avid listener, too, so we're thankful for that. Sure. Michael, tell us a little bit about your life and particularly how you ended up in law enforcement. Um, I ended up in law enforcement because I can't design buildings <laughs> and really couldn't do much. Maybe. As one does. As yeah, one does. yeah. I mean, you know, backup plan. Yeah. Um, no, I, I am uh, born and raised in Walker County. Uh, my wife, uh, Jill, and I and our two lovely children, Mac and Bryn, um, recently uh, moved to Chickamauga, just a stone's throw away from the schools that I went to. Uh, so that's been uh, a lot of fun. But um, <clears throat> I, I ended up in law enforcement because it was something I was always interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up with, uh, you know, finding out that my father uh, was in law enforcement uh, down in Columbus, Georgia, and um, got interested in that and um, got uh, interested in. Uh, specifically like the history of the Texas Rangers. Mm. Um, that, that, that was always something that was really cool to me. Um, Walker, Texas Ranger being a TV show when I was a kid. Of helped course. Out a lot. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> man, law enforcement's just not like it is on, uh, on TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, reading books, uh, and I, I used to train new officers and I, I told them, you know, if you want to sharpen up your detective skills, read, uh, Sherlock Holmes, mm. uh, and yeah. the Hound of Baskerville. Um, but I, I, I always sort of had that interest. Um, I went off to college, um, and was, uh, uh, floundering, uh, <laughs> there. Um, 
matter of fact, a, a, a gentleman that we used to go to church with several years ago, I think he described it as being carried downstream without a paddle. <laughs> so that, that is a very flowery way of saying that I was directionless and I had to sort of take stock of what it, what, what exactly it was that I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, at that point, I, I really started pointing myself towards a degree that was going to lend itself towards working uh, in law enforcement. So mm -hmm. um, I, I got hired um, with the agency that I worked for a little over 13 years ago. Uh, so I've been doing it ever since. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Well, so let's just um, let's go right to the heart of the matter here. How, how does your faith uh, in Jesus impact your approach to law enforcement? Does it have an impact, first off, and then how, if it does? It does, and, and, it's, and it's made a greater impact uh, <clears throat> as the years have gone on. Um, uh, one of the things that, that it's done for me uh, throughout my law enforcement career uh, is help keep me calm. Mm. Um, uh, the um, situations that you can find yourself in working in law enforcement can be very hectic mm. uh, and uncontrolled. Um, and remembering that, that God is in control and, you know, uh, I can, I can still walk out of this, you know, on the other end of it and God's going to have my back. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is, it has helped, um, uh, keep me calm. It, it has, um, it's helped with, uh, I guess, uh, frustration, uh, mm -hmm. as well, because, uh, sometimes things don't go your way in the courtroom, uh, and and sometimes um, people that don't need to be walking around with the general public for the general public's safety are in fact walking around. Mm -hmm. uh, and having that reminder that you know if if earthly judgment fails, um, I don't have to be worried about any judgment past that. Mm -hmm. um, there, there, there is a fine line, I guess, that, that can be walked there when it comes to, you know, sharing that faith uh, with, with somebody uh, that you're transporting to jail or, or, or some, something like that. But, hey, listen, well, I got you here. <laughs> I mean, you are in an enclosed space that, that for a certain amount of time. That is truly a captive audience. Uh, that, that is the definition of a captive audience. Uh, it's, it's, it's a... It, it is a... It is a comfort. Um, it is uh, a, a calming influence, um, and I'll I'll just go ahead and, and expand real quick because you can't sit down with a law enforcement officer and not hear stories. Yeah, um, that's that's what we have are our stories. But yeah. um, a really really good friend of mine uh, that I've worked with for a long time, um, <clears throat> we used to get into all sorts of stuff together. Uh, and now we're, we're pretty much useless because, you know, we're supervisors. We just, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. sign off on things and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I can vividly remember getting a call that a bank had a bomb threat called in. Mm -hmm. And they needed a few dummies to go in and look for a bomb. <laughs> of course, we have no training in such. But we like, well, sure, let's just go look for bombs. Yeah. Uh, this mm -hmm. bank in, uh, in the story is uh, four stories tall. And um, we had a strong feeling that this was um, a lie, mm -hmm. that, that this, this was a false report. Someone uh, didn't get what they wanted and decided to evacuate the building. So 
we're walking down the sidewalk and we're joking around and you know just talking whatever and we get up to the door and the manager is putting the key in the door and the manager's hand is shaking violently mm. putting the key into the door and he and I shared a glance and at that moment we we actually found out after the fact that that we we were both thinking the same thing like is this how it all ends yeah like uh, you know all the all the doors that we've run into, knowing what's on the other side, and uh, you know the the life threatening situations that that we have found ourselves in. Are we really going to get blown up in a bank? Like that that just doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, and so we were on our way up to the second floor where uh, we were supposed to be, you know, looking for a bomb. <laughs> and uh, I can I can remember having a conversation with God uh, on the. On, on the steps going up to the second floor like I mean if it's my time I get it but you know this I, I feel like I've got more stuff to do so yeah. if you can see fit to get me out of this one yeah. uh, you know that, that that'd be great I'd, I'd, I'd really appreciate it and I, it, it, it sounds cliche to say but I felt that you know my, my nerves were calmed um, I was able to focus on the task at hand uh, and then after that was all uh, said and done with I could you know feel all those feelings of you know ooh, almost got blown up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I, I can imagine well I can I can only imagine what it's like to to know that every day there's a potential that you could face a life-threatening situation um, you know in in our line of work <laughs> that that's not uh, super common uh, for us to walk into a life-threatening situation on a daily basis um, and so I, I can only imagine the faith that you have to have uh, in those situations to know that, you know, God, you're in control of all of this. It'd be really cool if I didn't die today, mm-hmm. um, but um, but you're still in control and, I tr- and trusting in that, I, I imagine, can be difficult at times. Um, like, I know stories that my, my dad was a police officer for 36 years, and, I, and I've only heard a few stories of things that he shared and it's like man I, I couldn't have done that there's no way I could. <laughs> man, that's crazy that that you just you know ran right into that situation um, and so I would imagine that that faith is vital to that to be able to say God you're in control of this I know I have to deal with this situation but um, please let it come <laughs> come out on the, on the good side Lord uh, I, I can imagine that's a, that plays a big part it's uh it's 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 a different feeling I, I i've had that conversation uh before with uh, uh particularly new officers that are going through the academy um mm-hmm. that um very rarely if ever has anyone ever risen to the occasion mm-hmm. when it comes to a life-threatening uh, scenario more than likely we're going to fall back on our lowest level of training yeah like wherever the foundation is that's where we're going to fall back to. Yeah. So that, that foundation has to be really strong. Mm-hmm. And I equate that with uh, the foundation of, you know, my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I do believe uh, that, you know, God is, is watching out for me, if I, if, if, if I believe that Jesus died for me and maybe today I don't have to die, mm-hmm. um, then... That that makes that job that that makes those decisions to go you know running towards whatever uh, yeah. a lot easier to make. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would imagine you know a difficult a difficulty comes in when you know, I mean of course having a family a wife and, and kids you know 
helping them to understand that level of faith or maybe leaving them out of most of the story so they don't know how what the level of you know faith they really need to have how, how do you navigate that as it comes to your faith jason's already alluded to something that i believe um every good law enforcement officer with a family does and that is tell stories selectively mm-hmm. um the, the the story that i just told you um my wife jill already knows about um and there are hundreds of stories that yeah. she doesn't know about nor yeah. does she want to know about sure yeah um and, and I, I i can remember before my son <clears throat> mac was born I, I was having a little bit of a tough time because we were uh, professionally um we were you know up against some some things going on that that we hadn't really run into before um, and it was, you know, making me nervous for, you know, the, the, the safety of the population that I serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had some trepidation there about, you know, how, how much do I want to tell my son? How, how much mm-hmm. does he need to know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I felt very fortunate because uh, neither one of my children are terribly interested in the fact that daddy is a law enforcement officer. Okay. Yeah. They don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're real concerned about what they're going to have for a snack. Yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. But <laughs> that not, definitely takes precedence. Yeah. Daddy is in law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed there. Uh, and, and like I said, there's a lot of stories that, you know, Jill doesn't want to hear, so Jill doesn't hear them. Yeah. Um, but... You know, when, when when we get to have those conversations, specifically with Mac, you know, he's he's nine now, and he is really starting to be able to wrap his wrap his mind around a lot of things when it comes to his beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <clears throat> I can use four instances and hypothetical scenarios that I've been in before, mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't always know which yeah. ones are true and which ones are just you know something that we might be talking about yeah yeah mm-hmm. either way the 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 conversation the, the 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 basis of that conversation stays the same yeah and it's yeah. It, it is literally that uh you know your your faith can carry you through mm-hmm. that's that's a great transition point so let's let's look at the other side of that coin that um I would imagine that there that fear plays a big part in in law enforcement because you go into some I don't care how hardened of a individual you are. You go into situations that are scary sometimes. Um, and so, what what um, what part does fear play in your approach to law enforcement? And and what I mean by that is that you know you you face a lot of situations that the general public never has to deal with. They just hear about stories later on after the fact. So, what part does fear play, maybe both positively and negatively, uh, in in law enforcement? Um, so when I, when I first gave some thought towards that question, um, I, I fell back on a, uh, one of my favorite quotes from John Wayne, uh, <laughs> and that is courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have yet to meet anyone I've, I've ever worked with that is a, uh, federal state, county, city whatever branch of law enforcement you work in, mm-hmm. everybody's scared of something. Yeah, Everybody has been in one of those situations that you stop, well, maybe not stop, but it, it flashes through your head, oops, I may not make it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, 
one of the things that that I have tried to uh, talk about, especially with uh, you know younger officers that that come into my organization, is fear can fear can help you out mm-hmm. um, if you uh, have a good rational fear of things. Then hopefully it's going to motivate you to train. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's going to motivate you to make sure that your senses stay sharp, that you're not falling into a situation where you are uh, getting complacent, mm-hmm. uh, bored with the job, uh, letting, you know, small things go because <clears throat> the, the, the nature of, of any law enforcement job, the, the, the entire situation can change in an instant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, on, on, on one side, you know, fear is, can be a motivator. Um, we talk about, uh, well, we, used to talk about um, the, uh, the the color code system okay mm. so I know for a fact Jason your your father knows exactly what I'm talking about but um, it, it, it escalates so yeah. condition white is just sort of you're oblivious to anything going on around you and it goes all the way to condition black and that is when things are happening at a rapid pace your fine motor skills are leaving you develop tunnel vision Mm-hmm. And you can only focus on whatever threat is in front of you. You probably are in a fight for your life. Your blood pressure's through the roof. All sorts of things that you don't really want to be involved in, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we we uh, I have those the, the, those conversations um, with, with with the younger officers to to explain that um, no matter what condition you're in, you, you, you've got to be able to stop and think. And one of the things that, that I continually, you know, go back to that I continually stop and think is, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to rely on my training, but ultimately God's in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I, once I began to accept that incrementally, um, the fear seemed to, uh, subside. Um, and you know, again, these are running into situations that um, I probably should be very afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I do believe that that is in fact God calming my nerves and mm-hmm. allowing me to do what it is that I'm supposed to do. Um, fear can be a a huge problem uh, for people. Um, I I had to learn I had to learn the difference between fear and anxiety. Mm. Um, earlier this year. Matter of fact, I was sitting in this office talking to Derek about it. Um, and I, I, I had to learn, or I, I guess I had to remind myself that, that fear is one of those things that you either, uh, you, you have that fight or flight response. Yeah. Um, anxiety sort of slowly wears you down. Mm. Um, constantly worrying about um, whatever whatever the news can throw at you or, yeah. you know, the, the roots coming through your cell phone while you're staring at it, you know, embedding in you and all that. Um, more than likely those are, that's, that's anxiety. That's, that, that, that's worry. Um, and again, <clears throat> similar experience. Um, once I, I, Derek made a great recommendation, uh, uh, of a book. And once I was able to sort of go through the, the audio book, I, I promise I can read, but <laughs> I do a lot of driving, so I I, I went with the audible route. Um, but it, it it really clarified things for me that you know much like actual physical fear, 
um, anxiety can subside when you give it to God, mm. when you trust that God is going to do what God needs to do and you are the vessel that he's going to do it, yeah. do it through. Yeah. I think it's a great word that, because um, I think that you, we can apply that to, you know, outside of law enforcement as well, that I think fear and faith have this odd relationship in our lives, even as as we're just going through normal daily life, um, you, you mentioned the, the fight or flight um, response, that um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to put up fisticuffs or you're running away, but just within yourself, you have this, am I going to engage in this or am I going to stay out of this kind of thing? Um, and I think in our spiritual life that, that um, there's a correlation there because you know, we are, the, the one mission that we're given by Jesus is to go and make disciples, which means you have to share your faith with people. And that's really scary for some people, and, and understandably so to some extent. Um, but that fear can also galvanize you, I think, to, okay, yeah, I fear this, but God's in control of this. I have God with me. The Holy Spirit is in me as a follower of Christ that I can go and do this, not in my power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that um, that's a, it's a great example to see how fear can both uh, either propel you or stop you in your tracks in law enforcement and does the same thing the rest of our life as well, that um, it either propels us or it stops us in our tracks and makes us clam up. And, and I think that um, knowing that enables us to work through it a little better, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I was thinking too, you know, as we're trying to help, you know, the average citizen <laughs> yeah. face the fears or the worries, anxiety that, that um, you know, our current situation, COVID, pandemic, you know, um, uh, election turmoil <laughs> seems yeah. worse than, than, than I remember it, but, you know, um, I'm sure there's things I don't remember too, but, um, so, you know, how, how do we face that? And I think oftentimes we're just ready for it to end or go away. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we almost, I think oftentimes we just expect God to be this like magic genie that says, poof, you don't have anything to be worried about where I think, you know, I don't, I wouldn't venture to say that, you know, God like is like, Hey, I think I'm going to give this person this trial today, <laughs> but I do think God allows the trials in our lives and is sovereign over them. And I think, I think the thing that we miss is that we want it just to poof, go away. Yeah. But God often uses that fearful situation, that anxiety. You, you mentioned, you know, when you train officers and, and you know, um, you know, the, the color coded and all that is like, Hey, it's going to happen sometime. We don't know when, yeah. but we got to be ready for it. And right. it's the same thing for us in our just in our everyday life is to say, look, hard times will come. So don't just go through life yeah, <laughs> you know, you're devoid of, yeah, um, yeah you, you know, my life's always going to be perfect and there's never going to be any issues. Um, be ready for that in your faith. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, you mentioned you, you kind of go to your lowest level of training, you know, and if we haven't trained ourselves in faith, um, you know, we may, we may miss it. Or God may use that fearful situation to grow our faith even deeper. Yeah. And um, yeah. so I think that's, you know, I think that's, there's some really, really big correlations just, you know, um, for those of us who don't face, you know, on a regular basis, the type of fearful situation that law enforcement does. 
But when those difficulties do come, you know, either we're going to be somewhat ready for it or uh, God is going to use it to kind of help us really rely on him even mm-hmm. more, you know, so. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, as we sort of wrap this up, what what sort of what would what advice would you give? And I think we've sort of touched on this a little bit already. But what what would you, how would you advise someone who's facing a fearful situation, and how they could respond in faith? What what would you what would you say to someone? Um, talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just recently shared that you know earlier this year I came in here and talked to Derek, and uh, you know we talked some stuff out. I you know. A wise man once said that no man is an island. Mm. Uh, And at the end of the day, um, one of the great things about being part of the human race is there's a bunch of other humans to talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you know, plenty of folks that are like-minded and plenty of folks that are not like-minded. But either way, you can talk to somebody. You can find somebody to talk to and say, hey, listen, this isn't going right. This Mm -hmm. is... This is scaring me. This is keeping me up at night. This is causing me to have some anxiety. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Uh, and you know, uh, basically use your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of folks, uh, that are willing to talk to you. There are, uh, 800 numbers that are just dedicated <laughs> to talking to someone. There are websites dedicated to just talking to someone. There's, um, there's plenty of Christian literature out there that specifically will address anxiety, fear, things of that nature. Um, and, and I, I <clears throat> personally like using subject matter experts. So, mm-hmm. Uh, rather than just you know polling a hundred people off the street, <laughs> I came directly to Derek because I figured he could probably steer me in the right direction, mm-hmm. and he did. Um, so my, my my biggest advice there is to work through a step at a time what you have to work through. Man, talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, find find out what you can find out and get the help. Yeah, it's a great word. I think that so often we do. Um, I think one of the, one of the sort of unfortunate natural responses that we have is you get into a difficult situation and you isolate yourself either physically or mentally and think I'm the only person who's ever gone through this situation and nobody can possibly understand what I'm what I'm feeling right now Um, and I hate to break this to you but we're not as unique as we think we are (laughs) and somebody has gone through that same situation that you're dealing with and um, I'm sure that that they'd be willing to help you walk through it for the most part and and uh, and you're right that um, one of the greatest blessings of being a follower of Christ is that we have this community that we can be a part of and can help one another. And I think so often our natural inclination is to disconnect from that community when there's when there's difficulty or fear or whatever. And that's that's a really unfortunate thing. That should be the time when we press in all the more. Um, and yet our natural response, I think, sometimes is to disconnect. So that's a good word. Yeah, that is that is good. I think. You know, oftentimes, especially in, in our Christian life, we assume, oh, well, I, my faith in God has to be more, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to go to God first, right? And yeah, you do need to go to God, but uh, we are not meant to face life in a vacuum on mm-hmm. our own, you know. Uh, God has placed us in community. I mean, and that's that's one of the biggest arguments I'll say, you know, of like someone says, well, I can live my faith out. And I don't have to go to church. I'm like, yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't have you don't have to, but um, God designed it so that you would need it, that yeah. you would want it. You know, unfortunately, sometimes churches hurt people more than they help them. Yeah. And so, you know, people have baggage. But at the end of the day, it's our job as 
the body of Christ to help people, you know, face the troubles and the trials. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, man. You know, I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but you know, I can be with you, pray for you, um, you know, help you find something to, to read that maybe does have more of the answers or whatever, you know? And so, yeah, that's huge. We, we too often, even in our Christian walk, we'll say, well, I can do this on my own or it's just me and God or whatever. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. But that's not really how God designed it. You know, he wants you to be around others. He wants you to live out your faith in community. Um, so yeah, I think that's great advice. You know, draw, draw near to other people that can walk with you and help you. Yeah, for sure. That's good. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Path Podcast. We appreciate you. Um, it's it's honestly it's incredible to have a legend such as yourself <laughs> on the podcast, and um, it was just an honor for us. I, I, again, really appreciate the words that are generally not associated with my name. <laughs> yeah, but we appreciate it. Listen. Hey, and welcome back uh, to the Path Podcast. I am Jason. I'm Derek, and we are joined by a very special guest today, Mr. Stacy Meeks. And uh, we're glad to have him with us to, again, talk about this idea of faith over fear. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to Derek, and he's going to ask the first question, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Stacey, thanks for joining us today. We're appreciative of you and all you do for our community. No problem. And uh, thank you for kind of helping us out, too, in this way. Um, would you just tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up in, um, you know, safety and law enforcement, those kind of things? Yeah, uh was literally born when i say born in lafette i was actually born in the city limits there was a hospital where used to be the walker county tax office okay. it was kitchens clinic so uh literally born inside lafette uh raised here all my life went to lafette high school um went in the military after high school joined the marine corps came back and uh became a cop I always i knew at an early age um and i do believe that god gives people callings mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. i knew at a fairly early age what i wanted to be and uh and I just kind of pursued it. I wanted to police in my hometown. So after getting out of the military, I came back and applied uh, for a job at the Fett Police Department and got hired on in 1993. So that's been 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's what brought me here. I mean, yeah. I wanted to serve my hometown. I, I really had no desire to ever police anywhere else, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you. So, how, how long were you in the service? Uh, four years. Okay, And yeah. then, um, like I said, I was on the predominantly on the police side for 25 years and mm-hmm. now I'm over emergency management so I, my job titles changed I'm still in the same building all the public safety are mm-hmm. housed mm-hmm. together um, but yeah I really enjoyed the the police service um, and was excited to get to serve my community and I, mm-hmm. I had some when I was a child I had some police officers that were pretty impactful in my life mm-hmm. um, and I saw the good that they did in the community mm-hmm. and I, I knew is I mean now as an older person, you know, um, understanding the Holy Spirit and how it works, um, I understand then that it was speaking to me about mm-hmm, that profession. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I was a child, I just yeah. didn't realize it was kind of grooming me t- to do that at the time. But uh, they they left a lasting impression on me, and it, it made me want to do that. Yeah. Uh, just with the interaction that I had. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I was very fortunate. I had, uh, when I first started policing, my sergeant that I worked for was one of the first, he, well, he was the first African-American police officer in, I think, north of Atlanta. Oh, wow. He started policing in the mid to late 60s. Uh, just a heck of a guy. I mean, such a mentor. He, he really 
poured his heart and soul in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudell Green was his name. Mm. Um, just a very much a man. He was a former Marine, World War II veteran. Okay. Oh wow. Had the first college degree of any police officer in the, wow. in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, he uh, he was very impactful, and he had impacted me as a child. Him and another officer, Kenny Carruthers, uh, had a lot of interaction with him when I was a child. And you know, we were making some bad decisions, and those, those two kind of kept me out of serious trouble. So uh, I thought that's what I wanted to do. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I, I think it's um, in a way, you know, certainly I. I was 16 when I felt, felt like God was calling me to minister in some way. You know, just that life of service um, through the church. But I know I, I think you're right. You know, calling is on all of us. And you know, hindsight is 2020. We kind of see, oh, God was leading my way or whatever along the way. But you know, I think appreciate you know how you've served you know your community through law enforcement, public safety, but also military <clears throat> my brother was a marine for Good. three and a half years and so i can appreciate somewhat just from knowing and talking to him you know that mentality of hey i'm going to serve my country and and do you know lay my life on the line and and do what i need to do to kind of help and so i i certainly appreciate that i know yeah no we really do yeah appreciate yeah, that absolutely thank you yeah that's a really um it's a it's a neat it's a unique perspective that you have that you've you know your whole life has been for the most part, except for when you were in the military, yeah. um, has been right here. And so I think that, um, I would imagine that has a really big impact on how you feel about serving this community because uh, you know, you know, this community so well. Definitely. Um, <laughs> as you age, you, it's, it's a funny cycle because now I am, um, I've had the opportunity to see kids grow up and now they're mm-hmm. adults in their late thirties, early forties, and they're out raising families and, uh, now I'm knowing, getting to know their children. I knew yeah. their parents. I knew their grandparents. So I, <laughs> right. I know multiple generations mm-hmm, of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people this all the time, like the evangel living in a small town versus living in even a town the size of Chattanooga is the personal relationships that you can develop mm-hmm. with um, people in government or people in business, yeah. um, specifically like w- with the police and fire. Um, you know, I, I like to know people and I like to be available. Uh, people call all the time and, and I, encourage that like I, I love when people call and they need help and I get a chance to help I feel like it's a blessing to be yeah. able to help them and it may be just a small problem that they're dealing with but um, you get better customer service is what I tell people in a small mm-hmm. town yeah um, in a even a city the size of Chattanooga and, and me and my I have a business partner I have a martial arts school on the okay. side and Matt Harris and I are, are partners in that but even in the we teach in the Chattanooga area and you could have a major burglary or something i mean a pretty big crime and you might not even get to speak to a detective person mm. you get a low-ranking patrol officer take a report in the city you know um we try to take care of people and and i know we have an open door policy so yeah. you can come right in and call and you know you get executive mm-hmm. management on your first phone call yeah. and then we put it more attention to detail behind it than yeah. you would get uh, i think in a, in a bigger community so there's trade-offs sure less to do here mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. less dining options uh less you know stores and stuff but you get a better customer service treatment from your from your government yeah mm-hmm. that's great yeah it's interesting because uh we're both transplants mm-hmm. so uh jason you've been in several communities uh i'm was in Dallas, Georgia, and Powder Springs area, yeah. which Jason was in Powder Springs as well growing up. Mm-hmm. And so we saw, I don't know, you might speak to this too, but we kind of lived in that area 
as it was growing. So mm-hmm. it yeah. it had a more small town feel for a while, but you know, kind of grew into you know what you see, you know, West Cobb County, you know, East yeah. Paulding County now that are just blowing and going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy that, you know, God called us here to yeah. Lafayette and I like the small town. It's kind of nice to get back to it after, you mm-hmm. know, so I, I, I appreciate it, that as well. It's convenient because <clears throat> we have the benefits of the small town and your, you know, bedroom community to Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Right. 30 minute drive. Right. Yeah. So we got the yeah. best of both worlds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, so I come from a law enforcement family too. Like okay. my, my dad was a police officer for 36 years in Cobb County. And then, uh, my brother was a police officer in Powder Springs and mm-hmm. I have another brother who was a state patrolman. And so, <coughs> um, so I, I, I've seen sort of that at every level of, oh, yeah. of small town up to, to yeah. state statewide. And, um, and so it's, it's, it is, I agree with you that it is interesting. You get this, well, the approach is similar, um, mm-hmm. but there's there's just a difference. And as it scales up, you just you don't get that personal interaction right. as much. Yeah. We we you know in our town and, and really in Walker County as a whole, we we try to be more. I know Sheriff Wilson's a good friend of mine. We've talked a lot. He shares the same philosophy of community <clears throat> policing. And Benji mm-hmm. Cliff, the acting police chief, um, is the same way. I mean, yeah. he's you know a big proponent of uh, community policing, and and that's usually you don't see that in larger cities right and they can't i mean really you'll have like neighborhoods or boroughs that you know that maybe they know their officers it's kind of embedded Mm -hmm. but uh yeah we we really push that here Uh, that's that's a big thing yeah let's appreciate it so yeah Yeah, definitely all right well um so let's just kind of cut right to the chase here okay Um, but how how does your faith impact your approach to law enforcement or public service i think as a Christian, and I always preface this by saying I am a flawed individual. Sure, well, I am we all not, are. <laughs> I'm not a perfect person uh, yeah. at all, and uh, but I do believe in Jesus, and I am a, a, a believer. Um, I do pray daily, and uh, I try to every day when I pray, I ask that whatever interaction I have with people for that day, that God would direct my path and mm-hmm. guide me through that. And uh, the older I've got, and I haven't always been that way. Let me just sure. say that, um, and I've the older I have gotten and the closer I have gotten and stronger in my faith, it, it amazes me. It's almost, it's just amazing how things work out because I can pray a prayer uh, of guidance at the beginning of my work day. And then throughout the day I'll interact with people and I just start smiling because I know it's a God thing going mm-hmm. on. Like they have, a, it may be a, to me, a small problem to them, a very big problem, mm-hmm. but I feel blessed, honestly, just getting to be part of the solution and helping them. And, and yeah. you know, it's like the, the concept of giving a gift is more gratifying than receiving one. Yeah. And I'm blessed every day that I get to, to help people along the way. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. I, I, um, I pre- you bring up a great point that, that perspective of, um, you know, for somebody you interact with, it could be this, it's like this life altering issue but you see it you're able to see it as an opportunity because you prayed and right. and you asked god to hey guide me um and i think that's a that's a a great way to approach that that um because if we're not, if we're walking through life unaware you miss opportunities left and oh, right and, and looking back i know i've missed a lot as a younger younger person when i'm you know more focused on self and you know dealing uh with ego and you know different things yeah. we all battle that uh when we're younger but when you get older and you and i've had you know we all i've had scary experiences uh where it really makes you contemplate death and you know what what's waiting for you afterwards and mm-hmm. it does change your perspective when you're younger you don't think about it that much mm-hmm. I, mean, I know when i was right out of the marine corps 
you think you're invincible. Yeah. You're 21, 22 years old, and right. you think you're bulletproof, and uh, the Marines do a really good job of brainwashing you to think <laughs> that you are, but uh, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and dealing with fear, I know that's one of the topics that we were talking about today. That's definitely a hot topic in law enforcement right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, this is just my perspective, uh, but after you know 27 years of being in it and around it, I think it qualifies me to, to have a perspective mm-hmm. on it. Um, I think a lot of times, and I know from the officers I've talked to, they are fearful right now. Um, the, the ones that are, I think, more secure in their faith deal with it differently because mm-hmm. they have the power mm-hmm. of prayer and they know that they're being watched over and cared mm-hmm. for. Um, the ones that are not as close in their faith, I think stress over it a little bit more from mm-hmm. what I see. Yeah. Um, these are fearful times, but we can't let fear stop us from our calling. And, and with that, I will say that not everybody that's in law enforcement is called to be there, obviously. And I think that's with sure. any profession, Sure. Yeah. but you know, you know, who, who's supposed to be there and who's not the public knows. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the old saying about uh, children and dogs are pretty good judges of character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell. I mean, the ones that are there that are truly there and it's their calling, they just have a different vibe about them. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, we know in our profession, we can sense the ones that are there for the wrong reasons. Yeah. yeah. And that's a minority, but but that still exists. And uh, a lot of times, like with the um, nationwide, I know there's been a lot of uh, media attention on some incidents where police use excessive force. And um, a lot of that is based on fear, you know. Yeah. Um, when I first started in, in that, that business, uh, one of my training officers explained to me that there's a, a seesaw, basically, and when emotions are very high, logic's low. Mm-hmm. And if a logic's high, emotions are low, mm-hmm. but you can't have high emotion and high logic. It can't mm-hmm. exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. So uh, a great analogy, when, when yeah. you get fearful on yeah. calls, and you will, um, because everybody is afraid. If they say they're not, they're lying to you. Yeah. Um, it tends to, the blinders come on and you tend to get the fight or flight reflex. So right. your logic somewhat diminishes and you're just in like survival mode. And then unfortunately, you know, you may um, have situations where officers use questionable force or, or whatever, but it's kind of hard unless you've been there. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard mm-hmm. to, they have to learn to calm themselves down and, and get that logic back up and emotion low to objectively look at the situation they're dealing with. But when you're in the heat of battle, yeah. that's very difficult to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so talk for a second, because you kind of touched on this, but how, what what is that, that interplay of, of faith and fear? How, how does that affect... Um, you know, just a daily basis of, of going to work. How, how do those things work together? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I know you guys are millennials. Uh, so you ever watch any John Wayne movies? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Love John Wayne. Grew up watching yeah. John Wayne. A lot of you'd be surprised at a lot of the younger people I talk to. That's like, well, I think my grandfather watched him. Or something. Well, just, just for the record, we're just on the cusp. I know, of I know. I mean, just barely. So, yeah, yeah. Just and barely. I don't say that as a as a put down at all. Yeah, all you guys are so technically advanced. I feel like a dinosaur sometimes. When, when I figured out I could copy and paste at work, it was like, holy game hey, changer. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I say I, I don't really don't need a smartphone because I need a dumb phone. This thing's way too smart for me. But anyways. Um, that's a great question. Um, John Wayne quote that I grew up just, uh, it's been with me since I was a, a teenager, but he said, you know, um, courage is not the absence of fear. It's mm-hmm. being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Yes. And I think that's very applicable to not only the military, but law enforcement too. I mean, yeah. people, 
and this is a mistake I think that we all make, uh, especially when you're younger. You tend to put people on a pedestal. Yeah. It could be your pastor. It could be a politician. Mm-hmm. It could be mm-hmm. you know law enforcement, whatever. And you put these people on a pedestal, and you, you think that they're superhuman to some extent, that they don't right. suffer the same fears or emotions that you do. But that's not true. You know, right. we're not superheroes. Uh, we're just ordinary people. We have fear. We deal with fear every day. Um, the problem is is not letting the fear consume you because mm. you know you basically have three humans have three uh, responses to fear, and it's the fight or flight, which most people are aware of, but the freeze part mm. is something that most people aren't aware of. So mm-hmm. you're either going to freeze, you're going to run, or you're going to fight. Mm-hmm. So in law enforcement, you have to 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 basically saddle up to take that fear um, and not let it make you paralyzed because you have to respond. You know, we police don't have a choice. You know, right. when, when you call 911 and it's very bad situation, mm-hmm. everybody's running away from danger. Somebody has to go to the danger, whether it's fire, police, EMS, mm-hmm. um, they, they go towards the danger. And um, you have to at some point harness your fear to be able to do that. As a Christian, for me, um, prayer is super important and um, the last year it's funny when the pastor called me to come in to do this talk about fear because fear has been something that I have been dealing with personally for the last year mm-hmm. um, really meditating on it studying on it reading um, scripture pertaining to it and uh, I think fear is probably one of the most uh, the biggest weapons that Satan has in his mm-hmm. arsenal mm-hmm. that discouragement so I think uh, we all regardless of our age or rank or whatever our job is we're de- we're dealing with that fear but yeah in law enforcement you have to to learn to harness it and uh go in and do what you need to do for, for me personally I, and you know i just try not to, i know that i'm saved and i i feel like in my heart that when it's your time it's your time mm-hmm. and you're not going to die one second before you should mm-hmm. um now saying that i don't like i'm not reckless on calls but right. I'm, I'm also not fearful either i mean mm-hmm. I, I try to harness that and, and go in and do what needs to be done and if it's your time it's your time yeah uh, you can't let you can't dwell on the fear of death and i and i, I harken back to what we mentioned earlier about the excessive force issues i know a lot of officers when they're afraid you know um and a lot of that has to go back to training yeah it's this training issue uh, but if they're not properly trained and fear kicks in then you know they're going to over respond to situations right yeah. Yeah. We interviewed someone else that said that it, usually in those situations, you revert back to your lowest or your, your uh, lowest level of training. Yeah. That, you, yeah. In civilian, I, I work a lot, you know, through, through the gym that we have. Uh, we teach a lot of self-defense classes to mm-hmm. the civilians. I have a lot of police officers that are my students and uh, I'm a police instructor. I'm certified through Homeland Security as active shooter instructor. So I've been out to a lot of churches mm-hmm. teaching other police departments how to respond to active shooters, teaching uh, business owners and uh, businesses and schools and churches how to respond and um, you're right about that people think that a lot of people have the misconception of well if something bad happens I will step up to that and yeah. I will I will meet the threat but you're not you're going to fall back and respond to whatever your level of training is yeah. and if you're and I, I talk about this a lot in self-defense class you got to mentally like prepare yourself and nobody wants to think about bad things happening to them but you need to at least visualize it it's it's such a good tool is like think about worst case scenario sometimes and and mentally prepare yourself for that so that way when it something does bad happen um if it ever does happen to you then you've kind of at least prepared your mind a little bit for that scenario and you're not caught off guard because most people will go through life like an ostrich with their head in the sand 
and and then something happens and then they just shut down they they freeze mm-hmm. and free freezing by the way will get you killed yeah uh, running or fighting is is how you survive but most people freeze mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i've seen that unfortunately um a lot of the police training videos that that we're able to watch that the civilians don't aren't privy to um there was an active shooter uh, several years ago up in illinois and it was in a supermarket, and it was just left a lasting impression with me. The guy came into the supermarket and started shooting people, and people literally froze on their aisle mm. and didn't even run and try to hide. Yeah, and it was like fish in a barrel, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. So, um, fear is definitely will paralyze you. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a great word. Yeah, I mean that, that's. Um, I think you know, as we're um, looking at this, you know, also you know, I, I appreciate your perspective. I'm. I'm learning a lot um but you know as we're kind of looking at this uh, from a faith perspective too you know one of the things we we've talked about uh, recently is um you know god designed um us to depend upon each other you know and you kind of hinted on it a little bit in that first question mm-hmm. you know that you'll pray that prayer and you'll see it right. as god is answering you to you know you, you go and help someone and so i think that's huge you know too often we 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 kind of try to take things into our own strength or whatever when really you know depending on others is important too so yeah i just heard um part of my year-long you know quest for studying fear and Mm -hmm. trying to understand it better and to better help people deal with it i felt like god's laid that on my heart which is just i started smiling when you called me to invite me here Mm -hmm. because i'm thinking good lord you know you gotta be careful what you pray for yeah (laughs) Yeah, 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 god will i I, (laughs) Growing up as a kid, I was dyslexic, and I had this great fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And now I get called to do it a good bit, and, and it just amazes me at how God will, will bring you out of mm-hmm. that shell. Because yeah. I was in a big shell. I I was, uh, when I signed up in the Marine Corps, it was right before, it was during Desert Storm, right when it was first starting. Mm-hmm. And I was a college student, and I was so afraid of I had a speech class. And I was more afraid of standing up in class giving a speech than going in the Marines. Mm-hmm. I was thankful when they called me to say, hey, we got a spot. I was like, oh, thank God. I, yeah, I don't have to give I, that I, speech. I can go to war. I don't have to give a speech. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, we all deal, deal with the fear. Um, I think um, with me uh, specifically, I, I look back at what God was trying to teach me in my 20s and 30s mm-hmm. and even in my 40s. Mm-hmm. And now things make sense. Like yeah. it didn't make sense to me when I was mm-hmm. in my 20s or what I was going through in my 30s. But like I said, this year I've really studied a lot with, about the power of prayer. And, and honestly, the uh, light bulb that kind of went off with me is so many times in previous decades, I prayed, it was fear-based prayer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think now that I'm older and, and I mean, you're the experts, but uh, for me anyways, what I have studied and read, it feels like, you know, fear can even render your prayer somewhat ineffective, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. because that's, that's such a negative emotion. And uh, I've tried to pray more with love and yeah. look at it from a love perspective and not a fear perspective. Yeah, that's a great word. I that is really good. That. Yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the whole gist of what we're trying to do here. We just we know it's a fearful time. You know, we don't right. know what's going to happen. Uh, we're, we're recording this the day before the election. election. Yeah. You know, people are so worried about that. And, you know, I mean, I, rightfully so, there are things to be concerned about. Um, and then, you know, we're in the, still in the middle of a <coughs> pandemic that has people crippled with fear. And there are things to be concerned about and precautions we need to take. But at the end of the day, as Christians, we are not supposed to live by fear. No. 
we we are supposed to live by we we talked about this yesterday we we have a, a faithful shepherd ready to love us in the midst of whatever we're going through he's mm-hmm. he's that shepherd uh, you know literally guiding his sheep protecting his sheep you know mm-hmm. holding his sheep close and uh we if we're living in fear or praying through fear or whatever through fear we miss out on getting to see um you know the shepherd that that um he doesn't give take away fear or take yeah. away the things that cause fear he he guards this from ours yeah. from them builds right? the hedge around us that's yeah. exactly and yeah. that's I, one of the things i'm um very big believer in a power power of words and like mm-hmm. verbalizing things so i've just started this year saying a lot of prayers out loud to mm-hmm. myself at home you know mm-hmm. like in front of people mm-hmm. but um one of the things that I say every day is, is you know, if no no weapon formed against me shall prosper today, yes. and I claim yeah. that truth mm-hmm. verbally, you know, out loud, and uh, and I know that uh, that there's power in that, and I just you know pray about it as an individual, and and try not to dwell on the what ifs and mm-hmm. the uncertainties. Like you said, I think our role as Christians is to try to in the fearful times is to be that rock that people can look to and go, mm-hmm. well, why is he so calm in the midst of the storm? Storms right. going around, something different about that person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe that, that would lead them to the faith, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's good. good. So. Well, Stacey, thank you so much no for joining us today. I appreciate you got the memo of shaved head and beard. With yeah. Blue <laughs> I was going to say it took me a while to get here. I had to yeah. fix my hair. But. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, um, we but need to start a gang you. or something. That's right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we can start. We can start a gang. That'll work. The, the shaved head gang. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Um, we hope that that maybe you learned something today, or maybe uh, something that was said piqued your interest. Uh, and if it did, we'd love to hear about that. And you yeah. can uh, email us at the path at lafayettefirst.life, or you can uh, comment on this podcast or YouTube video, uh, and we'd love to interact with you. Uh, but until next time. I'm Jason. I'm Derek. And he is Mr. Stacy Meeks. We appreciate you being here again. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time on the path.